The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Podcast, presented by Jason Bradbury and Phil Hinton. Welcome to the AV Podcast Hardware Edition. In this episode, we've got the latest AV news, I discuss Web 2.0, and Phil Hinton and forum member Gary Lightfoot travel to Newbury to visit Gecko Distribution and discuss Room EQ and Anamorphic Projection with Managing Director Rob Sinden. This week's Audio Visual News. The Consumer Electronics Show, better known as CES, opened its doors on the 8th of January and runs until the 11th. It's the world's biggest gathering of new technology. This year is the 40th anniversary and no fewer than 300 companies will be displaying their wares to the amassed public and press in Las Vegas. CES is the one event where manufacturers display their latest models for market, as well as giving consumers a glimpse of concept products and technologies. This year is likely to see some very major announcements regarding HD DVD and Blu-ray as the format war gathers pace. We won't know the exact details of any major announcements until the show is opened. Unfortunately, that's happening just as we go to air this week. However, it looks like LG are about to drop the biggest bombshell on the HD format battle. A press release ahead of the show from LG is suggesting that they're going to announce the world's first combination HD player, capable of HD DVD and Blu-ray playback. And here's something from me. I actually saw that machine working about 18 months ago on a visit to LG's factory in Seoul, South Korea. This announcement has already managed to get the AV Forums members in a frenzy over what the price of the unit might be, as well as what it means for the format battle in general. The loudest of these discussions is from those members currently sitting on the fence over which technology to go for. They now find themselves in a position where they no longer have to choose between HD DVD or Blu-ray. Or so it seems. The AV Podcast understands that the new Combi Player will not offer the full interactive features normally found on HD DVD decks, such as the main menu system or picture-in-picture facility. This is probably because the unit is not in line with the DVD forum specifications for HD DVD. Without the interactive menus for HD DVD, which is one advantage HD DVD has over Blu-ray, we feel that the LG player may not have as much appeal for those sitting on the fence as originally thought. The unit will also not be able to play normal CDs, and there's no news whether it will be capable of normal DVD playback. The deck is likely to retail at around $1,200, and a UK launch is promised later this year. And in a further twist, Warner Home Video has also announced that they'll be releasing hybrid HD DVD and Blu-ray discs at CES. The discs will hold the Blu-ray version on one side and the HD DVD on the other. The company already releases separate versions of its movies on both platforms, and will call the new combi disc Total HD. Speculation is also rife with AV forum discussions on what this combi will mean for the overly expensive Blu-ray format and its backers. Only in the last 14 days has the price of Blu-ray plummeted, thanks to heavy discounting on Samsung's BD-1000 player. And there are fears that this is only the start of a price war, as Blu-ray finds itself increasingly under pressure from HD DVD. 
Toshiba has already hinted to the press recently that they're ready to drop pricing further on its latest HD DVD players worldwide. It's also likely that fourth generation players expected in late quarter 4 of 2007 could actually break the $200 barrier. The company's also announced a new third generation model to compete with the PS3 in the $500 price range. Dubbed the HDA20, the unit will sit between the budget and high-end machines and offer full 1080p output. If you fancy an HD DVD player from someone other than Toshiba, CES will also see some major manufacturer news. British high-end AV company Meridian, along with Onkyo, Shinco, Ventura and ED Digital have all signed up with the HD DVD Promotions Group in Las Vegas and will be producing their own players in the coming months, with Shinko promising that its HDA100 will be the new entry point unit. With all this speculation coming thick and fast even before CES has opened, we can only wonder what announcements will be confirmed during this year's show. But one thing's for sure, it finally looks like the HD formats might have to coexist after all, thanks to LG. We'll have a full CS roundup in next week's podcast. 1080p flat panel TVs are still relatively thin on the ground and rather expensive at this moment in time. But the AV podcast has found one company who are bucking the trend with its first 1080 model now available in the UK. South Korean company ATEC will not be an instantly recognisable name to most on the forums, but the firm have been manufacturing LCD technology for a number of years and are now making a move on the UK market with their competitively priced AV470. With a street price of around £1,650, this 1920x1080 47-inch screen will offer a multitude of connections including HDMI and DVI-D, RGB, components and S-Video. The screen also has the latest picture-in-picture technology, which also allows pictures side-by-side. Using an LG Philips panel, the TV has a contrast ratio of 1600 to 1, with a response time of 8 milliseconds and 8-bit colour technology. It certainly looks like it's ready to compete with the big boys when it comes to the full 1080 experience. The AV podcast will be putting the AV470 through its paces in the next few weeks. With flat panel TVs flying off retailers' shelves over the festive period, many will take advantage of wall-mounting their new pride and joy, and AV mount company Vogels has announced its lineup of wall mounts, dubbed the VFW series. Ranging in price from £30 to £170, the X32 VFW mounts are claimed to offer the highest standard of materials during construction and are beautifully finished. Models include mount plates or full-access swivel designs. Vogel's mounts are available now from John Lewis, Seven Oaks, and other AV dealers. And finally, to whet our appetites for the forthcoming Bristol Sound and Vision show in February, Denon have unveiled details of their worldwide launch for a micro high-end hi-fi system. The CX3 is a sleek miniature high-end amplifier with a SACD and CD stereo player, with a set of loudspeakers designed to compete with the very best on the market. The unit is hand-built in Japan and features an alloy cast design with the latest audiophile components, ultra-short circuit paths, a newly developed high-power amplifier which boosts 150 watts per channel along with a new CD-SACD transport unit. There's also integration with iPods and a sleek aluminium remote control. More details on this exciting new unit will be announced in the coming weeks and you can see it for yourself at its world launch at Bristol in February. 
The AV Podcast will be broadcasting direct from the Bristol show this year, and the AV Forums will also have its own stand. In the few weeks before the show, we'll be previewing the new kit available, and during the show itself, we'll be interviewing exhibitors and visitors, and reporting back on the major attractions. If you're a manufacturer and would like us to preview what you're exhibiting at this year's show, then please email news at avforums.com and we'll get back to you for a podcast chat. And if forum members and AV podcast listeners are heading along for the show, why not pop into the AV Forum stand, say hello, and enter our competition on the stand to win some fabulous home cinema equipment. That's Bristol Sound and Vision 2007, running from the 23rd to the 25th of February. Join the discussion at Europe's largest home cinema website. Log in to avforums.com. With more gadgets than Q Branch. The name is Bond, James Bond. This is the AV Podcast. Jason Bradbury. As regular listeners to the podcast will know, um, I like to give you a little heads up on what I've been doing in my own gadget world. It just feels like I've just touched down in 2007 and already there's so much going on. Even though I haven't made it to CES this year, I've been asked by about three uh, national radio stations to um, report on it. And uh, believe me, I do tell them that I'm not going, but it doesn't stop them. I did the Chris Evans show on Radio 2 uh, just this afternoon. And uh, it was quite interesting because, obviously, ordinarily I'd kind of let the information from CES kind of filter down through various RSS feeds that I've got through my own website and my blog because I've got these feeds automatically set up and so I just kind of look at my own blog and I get these uh, news stories and, and you know bits of keynotes and stuff from CES and CBIT and things like that but because I had to do the radio uh, I needed to kind of really be on the ball so I've done a whole lot of research this afternoon and there's some really really sexy stuff going on for example um, one of the things that I'm most excited about I can't even annoyingly I can't remember what the company is but apparently someone uh, in fact, while I'm chatting to you, doing this podcast, I'm actually going to, in real time, I'm going to open up my link and see if I can find the reference I made in my notes to this thing. Um, for, the, for those of you who are into your kind of sci-fi, you may well be aware of a guy called Nikolai Tesla. This guy is a, is a very, very well-known uh, scientist who's dead now, who came up with some crazy ideas. In fact, it's his ideas that I believe are featured in the uh, soon-to-be-released DVD of The Prestige, which is a movie about two magicians who compete with each other and i believe although i've not seen it that tesla's work is mentioned in the movie okay i've just brought up the notes and it's a company called fulton innovation and what they've got is a product they're calling e-coupled power which is supposed to allow portable devices like mobile phones and digital cameras and things like that to move from home or office or through your car and while they're doing that recharge wirelessly okay so what this guy is talking about doing okay uh this company is sending energy through the air wirelessly that will allow us to recharge our gadgets. Now, I don't have to say to a bunch of AV fans what that means for your average lounge, let alone, you know, portable devices like mobile phones. It means cable-free power. It probably means all kinds of horrible cancers 10 years down the line as well. But nevertheless, um, the technology behind this uh, e-coupled power stems from work done by the renowned scientist Nikolai Tesla. So there you are. Um, you know, Tesla has for a long, long time believed to have proved the existence of various sort of supernatural scientific phenomena uh, through mathematics only, but not through any practical design. Uh, that is until now. So if, if there's any reason to go to Vegas to CES this year, it's got to be to see e-coupled power. Now, earlier on in the 
podcast, I mentioned that I'd be talking about Web 2.0. Um, and that's uh, simply because I've spent most of my time working on a new blog. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the blog is yet because I've not domain mapped it to the URL I've bought. Um, and I want it to be, let's say, a little secret. OK, I want its impact to be uh, pure and unadulterated by my kind of PRing it on the AV forums. But I will let you know what it's all about in a couple of podcasts time and it's all up and running. But Suffice it to say, I've come up with a blog, an idea for a blog that kind of writes itself, that should be very newsworthy, and is, a, without a shadow of a doubt, a whole lot of fun. It's actually, the uh, it comes up in a book that I'm writing. I'm writing a children's book, and uh, he goes to this website, and I decided that if I was going to give this children's book to a publisher, I ought really to have the URL that's in the book, you know, under my banner so that no one else got it. And then I kind of got carried away and I've produced this kind of fantasy blog thing, which I'm really, really excited about. I'll I'll say it again. I'll give you the URL in a few podcasts time. But um, what I got really excited about was was the whole Web 2.0 thing, the whole kind of RSS and feed driven culture that now dominates the Internet. And basically it's meant that I've set this blog up and it's kind of writing itself. And why, why I think that's exciting is that I've talked about this for, you know, for the last 12 months and about how 2006, 2007 was going to be defined by Web 2.0 technologies. You know, this notion of kind of publishing something and then having it instantly available at the moment that you finish the sentence and it enter to you know, millions of people around the world. In fact, I describe Web 2.0 on various radio programs and interviews. Um, and at some of the futurology seminars that I do for, for companies like BBC Worldwide and so on, I describe the Web 2.0 experience um, like this. It's like buying a book, okay? I don't know, Wuthering Heights, whatever it is that turns you on. You buy the book and then you're on the third page and you think, oh, I don't know about that paragraph. Uh, you know, I'd kind of write that better than Ms. Bronte. So you kind of grab, it, grab your finger and you rewrite it on the page and then instantly all the books in the world... Uh, under the uh, the banner Wuthering Heights instantly change you know that is Web 2.0 and it's not dissimilar to the kind of experience I've had with my new blog now don't let me you know um, overdo this my new blog uh, project is quite subtle it's not as big a deal as I'm making it sound I just felt that Web 2.0 became concrete for me over this Christmas for real AV talk this is the AV podcast Phil Hinton and forum member Gary Lightfoot recently visited the offices of Gecko Distribution to witness home theatre sound EQ from Odyssey and anamorphic projection from Runco. In a roundtable discussion for the AB podcast, they discussed the products they'd witnessed with Gecko Managing Director Rob Sinden. This week's roundtable discussion, hosted by Phil Hinton. So for another one of our AV forums outside broadcasts, we happen to be at the home of the boss of Gecko, and uh, I'd like to introduce you to Rob Sinden. Hi, Rob. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? I'm particularly well. We've been through uh, quite a few demonstrations today, and thank you very much for inviting us down. Just so the listeners can get up to speed, um, first of all, we looked at two-channel hi-fi. So what was it that we looked at, and, and what was uh, so special about it in particular? Um, what, what we were demonstrating was... Um Lindorf Electronics, um, and Lindorf uh, is a company that makes a system called Room Perfect. Um, my business for 15 years has been home theatre, so pretty much everything I've dealt with for that, that period has been surround sound. But the, the, the point, the, the reason I wanted you to listen to it was to illustrate the difference between a, room that, uh, a system that's been equalised to fit in with the room and one that hasn't. The, the way that audio systems are sold by shops, by magazines, is that there's a, a huge amount of interest and emphasis put on the, the equipment that you use. Um, 
but the the amount of distortion, if you want to put it that way, between say one DVD player and CD player or an amplifier and another is very very minimal. But whatever system you have, when you put it in a room, it makes a huge difference to the performance of the the the, the sound system. Um, and really, nowadays, um, more and more equipment is very high quality. We sell different speakers, different amplifiers that we think are great, but there's lots of good product on the market. The biggest thing that I was trying to demonstrate to you is the importance of equalising a room, a system for the room. And um, Lindorf is uh, currently make the best system for stereo available. Um, and we also um, we have another product from a company called Odyssey who uh, make a room correction device for, for multi-channel systems. Um, it's uh, Tom Holmerson of THX is one of the guys behind it. And uh, this is a, a very sophisticated system for adjusting the equalization and the timing of a system for, to get the optimum performance in the listening position. What that means, if you measured the performance of your system from your listening position, you'd see you get huge peaks and troughs from what the signal should be to what you actually achieve in your room because you'll have a reflective wall or um, you'll have a sofa that absorbs a base. So just like in professional systems, this will equalise it so you get a, an even response in room. And the other thing it does um, is it reduces the, the problems of standing waves. Uh, it, it, if you've played with subwoofers and you've got a subwoofer running in your room, you put a bit of music on with some good bass content, as you move around the room, you'll see that the, the amount of bass you get varies tremendously from one position to another. And if the point in your room where the bass is all sucked out is where you sit, it doesn't matter how much bass you put into the room, you just won't hear any bass at, at, that, at that position. Um, and the Odyssey and the Lindorf room equalisation gets around that, so all the power you put into the room is, is something that you hear. So uh, that's, uh, that's my latest toy on the audio side. That's, uh, it, it's the room that is the biggest limiting factor to how good your system is. It's not the amplifier or the speakers, even though we sell lots of speakers. And that's been one thing that I've picked up on uh, during our visit here today. It's something that you've been emphasising all the way through. It's... It's not about spending thousands of pounds on equipment. It's getting the room right first and then design your system to that room. Yeah, that's the way we approach it. I, I've, um, I started in the industry 15 years ago and I, I started up the first um, retail installation business for home cinema in the country about 15 years ago, a, a company called Zebra. And um, over the years, we've installed hundreds of um, cinemas, a lot of them for people in the TV and the film industry, a lot of famous names. What I found is, is a lot of the installations sounded terrific. Some of them didn't sound terrific, even though we used the best equipment. And bit by bit, we started looking at equipment that would give you more consistent performance. The, the most obvious thing is sub-satellite speakers. Um, all independent audio experts who, who don't sell equipment, but recommend, who train people like myself and dealers on how to get the most p consistent performance in room, Every single one of them recommends the use of small satellite speakers and separate subwoofers because it allows you to to tune the system to the room and it, and a little speaker will give far more consistent performance no matter where you put it in the room. So um, every speaker system we've sold for the last 10 years has been sub-satellite. And um, typically most manufacturers' speakers are small with subwoofers because they want to make a cheap alternative to their big loudspeakers. But um, the speaker systems that we sell, um, 
the top of the range speakers from these companies are all small satellite speakers and separate subwoofers and uh, it allows you to tune the system to the acoustic requirements of the room. So that's one of the, the, the most obvious things that we've been doing. Over the years we've also built a lot of rooms with um, fabric walling which uh, absorbs a lot of the high frequency. It's also very, very expensive. Um, we've put a lot of bits of foam on walls, build fo built fo false walls to try and modify the acoustic performance of rooms but in the real world most people don't want a room with bits of foam on the wall and the only way to stop too much high frequency bouncing around is uh, with some form of equalisation and the type of equalisation that's available now is far more sophisticated than has ever been possible because, because of the benefits of computing power Parametric equalizers have been around a long time and they allow you to adjust the frequency response in your room so you get a more even response at the listening position. But what they don't address is the timing and also the power response at the listening position. So you can have flat frequency response but you'll have considerably less in base information or high frequency inf information at the listening position because the, um, the, the signal is out of phase. So there's an awful lot of information that needs to be gathered about the room before you can then start calculating the, the, what you need to do to the signal to get flat response and even power at the listening position. Um, and that computing power is now available in a couple of products. Um, the best known at the moment is Odyssey. Odyssey make a standalone product that we sell, but um, that technology is a simplified version of it. It's also available in Denon products, Marantz products, Onkyo products. And it's something that I think if people try, they'll hear it makes a tremendous difference to the performance of a system. And um, in, in many cases, it'll, it'll make, give the biggest improvement rather than changing to a different amp or different speaker. So after we listened to the, the two-channel system and you demonstrated the Lindoff uh, in-room equalisation, we headed across to your demonstration room. And just for the listeners, can you uh, just talk us through what equipment you use in there? Yeah, we, um, we, we use a variety of different audio components. We do change them around from time to time. Currently we're using uh, an ARCM DVD player um, and a Sunfire surround sound processor and a, a Sunfire uh, multi-channel amplifier. The most marked difference between their amplifiers and anyone else's is the, um, is the, is the basic amplifier technology that was designed by Bob Carver over 20 years ago. He, he was um, the first guy that was able to make very powerful um, amplifiers years ago uh, and, and um, he won a prize for that a long time ago and made his name when he was still at, at university. The amplifier there is, is a one box unit, it's 7 by 400 watts and um, the, the power and the headroom that the system has is, is considerably greater than most systems because there's a lot of power there. But the other important thing, on a practical level, um, it, it's an extremely efficient amplifier. It's about 90% efficient, whereas most amps are about 30% efficient. And what that means is the amplifier just doesn't get hot. So you can stick it in a cupboard um, and you don't have to vent the product. Um, or just simply in the summer, I, I've been to a lot of enthusiasts' house that have a rack of amplifiers next to them and it's like sitting in a sauna when you listen to the hi-fi. So that's one of the benefits of the Sunfire Electronics. We use the Odyssey um, EQ Pro, which is the eight-channel room equalisation system that equalises the um, frequency response, the, 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 the time response and the power response at the listening position. Um, and the speakers we're using in there are from a, a company called Triad, and they are an American company who make speakers purely for custom installation. 
There's obviously lots and lots of manufacturers now who make speakers for in-wall and in-ceiling use. Tried make everything to order, and they do make a really a much higher quality of speaker. As, as you know, I, I handed you one of the speakers so you could see how it was made and constructed, and um, they, they, they don't bear any resemblance to most people's in-wall and in-ceiling speakers. So one of the reasons I use that speaker system is that if I demonstrate that to, to clients, they like the performance. Very often, those speakers, um, because they're quite large boxes, um, can't be fitted into their homes. So they make exactly the same quality of speaker that goes flush in wall in a, in a sealed enclosure, um, or the same speaker that goes in ceiling that fires down at 45 degrees. So the idea is that we, we demonstrate the performance of the speaker system, and then, depending on your room, we can put the speakers in room, uh, flush in wall or flush in ceiling, so you can get that same performance in, in any style of room. We're using Sunfire subwoofers in there. They're smaller and much more powerful than anything else. Again, they use the same amplifier technology as their, their electronics. So the subs in there, they're a 13-inch cube, which is quite compact for a very high-output model. They're 2,700 watts a channel, so the whole system is getting on to 10 kilowatts in, in uh, audio performance. So as you've heard, there's a lot of power there. And, and, and what you might hear on a lot of systems, um, big integrated amplifiers for instance when you turn them up they get bright and nasty at high volume levels and you you've, hopefully you've heard today that that system is very comfortable at very high sound pressure levels and it never sounds tiring or fatiguing because that uh, if your system sounds tiring it's generally distortion and it's generally down to the amplifier not being powerful enough to control the speakers so we're using triad speakers in there sunfire electronics and then um a couple of projectors, um, one quite compact widescreen model from Runco, and the other one is huge. It's probably about four or five times the size of any other projector that most people have seen before. Um, that's the Runco VX40D that you were viewing. And that was one of the main reasons for us coming down to, to visit you um, today, was to take a look at CinemaScope projection um, from Runco. Um, so we started with the, the small unit, which was the CLC10 Cine Wide, and I've got to say I was very, very impressed. Uh, it's a single chip, uh, 720p projector, uh, which has its own inbuilt scaler and so on, which changes the picture formats from going from 16 to 9 to 235 to 1 and so on. So just explain a little more about that machine. The um, the, the thing that I, I think makes Runco unusual as a company is that um, they invented the home cinema projector. Sam Runco been, has been making projectors for home, home theatre. It's a Californian company for home theatres for about 35 years. And, and most major technologies are actually found on Runco projectors first off. They've made, um, they make LCD, they make DLP, um, flat panels, they make um, CRT projectors, they used to, that used to be a big part of their business, um, and LCD projectors and obviously DLP. So they had the first DLP projector available about six, seven years ago, I think, and then they had the first three chip and then the first widescreen. So they have a, a very large dealer base in the States. Um, for a lot of dealers in the US, if, if you're talking about high-end home theatre, it, it, Runco is a name synonymous with that. What they're trying to do is that there's lots of companies that make good quality projectors now, um, but Runco are very, very focused on making a product that will get you as close as possible to film. And there's, there's uh, a lot of talk about the technology in projectors that is improving all the time. Um, but I think what is missed 
a lot of the time is, is, is what is wrong with the current home cinema projectors on the market. And the most basic thing, if you actually go to the cinema and, and then you compare what you watch on a projector, is, is the fact that 99% of projectors on the market are 16 by 9 And as probably over 80% of films that you buy on DVD or you watch on Sky are in a 235 format, what that means is that when you watch films on uh, a, a conventional projector or a plasma, you'll get those grey bars top and bottom. And it just is not a film-like experience. Um, you don't go to the cinema and get grey bars above and below the picture. Um, all the screen should be filled. Um, so you lose about 30% of the brightness and the resolution. Um, but more importantly than that, it just is not how films are presented. Um, I, I think one of the most obvious um, demonstrations that we've just seen is running Gladiator in 16 by 9 high def and it looked very nice and then you switch it to 235 in, in on a conventional DVD in widescreen and to me it looks much more film like it's much more like the experience you'll get at the movies so that's the first projector in the Runco range that's actually designed to um, give its optimum performance in 235 so typically that would be installed with a 235 aspect ratio screen so it's every one inch up it's 2.35 across and when you play your films on that the whole picture will be filled up and um, you'll get the same experience that you would in the cinema rather than grey bars above and below the image. So what's the whole reason for Runco introducing CinemaScope then? Was it something that they thought needed pioneering into the home theatre market or is it a case of um, we're kind of catching up here in in Europe? I think, you know, obviously in the the real world they've got to keep differentiating themselves from other manufacturers because there's lots and lots of manufacturers who make projectors these days but um, they all tend to use the same lamps, they all tend to use the same chipsets, they all tend to use the same lenses. Um, so a lot of the time there isn't a great deal of, of difference between one projector and another with a similar specification because they're all using the same parts. Runco are looking to differentiate themselves from other manufacturers but they are also genuinely looking to try and give their customers something with their projectors that will get them that much closer to film. And the most obvious difference that I've been able to demonstrate to customers here for the last couple of months is that if a film is made in a certain aspect ratio, it should be played back on a projector and screen that is the same aspect ratio. And it just creates a more film-like experience. So um, I'm sure there's clearly there's commercial reasons why they're doing it. But um, equally, it really does genuinely get you much closer to what you'll see at the movies. Andy, the last projector we saw today was the uh, the monster unit. Um, I won't say how much that would cost to fit, but let's just say you need a lottery win yeah. or uh, get a contract with a Premier Football Club. But I have to say that is the most filmic-looking um, projector I have seen in a long time, and it belied the fact that it was a digital. Can you just explain um, a little bit behind that projector for our listeners? Yeah, I, I think the most obvious thing is, is obviously you, you could speak to lots of different people from lots of different projector companies and they'd all say their projector's different. We're all salesmen, therefore you shouldn't believe any of us. Um, but if you um, if you look at one of the big runcos, they really are completely different to look at from any other man- manufacturer. For a start, the projector we look at, that we've just seen, is probably three or four times bigger than any other projector you've seen. It's probably three or four times as heavy. And the reason it's um, 
it's such a big monster is because it has, um, first of all, it starts off with a much bigger, brighter lamp than anyone else uses. Um, and the reason for that is, is, is very simple. The most important part of the picture, according to SIMTI, the, 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 the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers, or ISF, which a lot of people in the trades reference point for video quality, is the dynamic range, the brightness and the contrast. And if you want to make something really bright, what do you do? The, the, you start off with a great big lamp. Um, so they put big lamps in their projectors. Um, where possible, they use xenon lamps as well. Um, xenon is a, is a type of lamp that you'll often use in cinemas. And um, they create a lot of heat because they, they, uh, they create all the red in the, in the spectrum. And red is next to infrared, which is what keeps your chips warm at McDonald's. So that's why they use... The, the xenon lamps because they'll reproduce all the colours in the spectrum more accurately watch your projector with a xenon lamp in and a Ferrari will look Ferrari red it won't look a shade of orange but the bad side about that is it creates a lot of heat they keep it, they create an awful lot more heat than UHP lamps so you need to put the thing in a great big box it's like the, the radiator on, on, a, uh, on the, the front of your, your, your car or your motorbike it's there to dissipate the heat so you need a big box to dissipate the heat once you've created this very, very bright image, you want to do as little as possible to the light path. So you want a, a big, very high-quality lens. Um, I, I use the analogy of digital cameras. You can go and get a 6-megabit camera, which will fit in your pocket, or you can get one from another manufacturer with a great big lens on the front, and one makes a much better picture than the other, even though they're the same, um, they're the same resolution on paper. So... By having a, a large box, you can put a bigger lamp in it, you can put a better lens in it, and you don't get any folds or twists in the light path, which is generally something that ha ha happens with other um, projector manufacturers. They're trying to make the box as small and as pretty as possible, so not only are they putting starting off with much smaller lamps, but they're then having to put smaller, cheaper lenses in, and they have to fold the, make folds in the light path, and each time you do that, you lose brightness and, and, and pitch quality. So... They are big monsters. Um, they're not something that most people are going to trot down to the shops and buy because you couldn't carry them back. They're so bloody heavy. <laughs> and they're also very expensive. But um, we do design some very big cinemas. We install... We've got a couple of projects on the go at the moment that are half-million-pound cinemas. And in that sort of application, whether you're after the very best picture quality or whether you're after a very big screen size you need something that is far bigger and far more powerful than the average projector that people will put in a living room on a six, seven-foot screen. We have Gary Lightfoot from the forums who's uh, joined me today to come down and uh, have a look at the equipment along with me. So, Gary, what conclusions have you drawn over what you've seen today and, and what's impressed you? Well, I'm certainly impressed by the, uh, the very large uh, Ronco we saw today. It was a very bright projector. And uh, what impressed me with that is... Uh, is not so much the accurate colours, but the lack of image noise on there. Quite often with a, a bright projector, it enhances all the, uh, all the noise from the source that might be in the picture. But this wasn't doing that, and I did uh, <clears throat> get up a few times to have a good close look at the screen and look at that, and, and uh, you had to get very close to start seeing image noise, but from normal seating distances, it was just very, very good, and as you say, quite film-like. So that was very impressive, and uh, you could see from the, the quality of the ISCO lens just how sharp it was producing the image on the screen and we, having compared that with the, uh, the smaller uh, Ronco you could see there's quite a big difference in image quality they both produced very good pitch quality
Yeah, going from the uh, the, the small to to the large, uh, we flick backwards and forwards with with a few uh, different DVDs just to just to see the differences. And to be honest, as as you would imagine, there is a difference there, but it's it's not a great difference um, in terms of diminishing returns. So, first of all, starting with 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 the the small projector, and just for those listeners who don't know, Gary actually uh, dabbles in the world of anamorphic projection with his own digital projector, and you have a, a an ESCO two lens at the moment is that right yeah i've got a it's an optima uh, h78 with a with isco 2 anamorphic lens on the front uh, which is a sort of cut down version of uh, the isco 3 but it's uh, about half the price which is uh, why i've got that one and many people are probably wondering why on earth are we talking about anamorphic projection why on earth are we coming down to see ronco why are we why are we even bothering with this well the thing is it's the next step isn't it yes i I'm, when you go at the pictures and, uh, and you sit there and then the main feature comes on, you see the curtains go back and the image just gets that much wider and, uh, and you're suddenly you're sitting in front of a much, much bigger picture and it's so more, uh, much more immersive than, uh, than you know, the adverts that were on beforehand and that. And just far more uh, of an immersive experience, I think. And to be able to do that in the home, I just think, brings you that step closer to uh, a proper theatre experience. And at the end, end of the day, we're all home cinema buffs or home theatre buffs, depending on which phrase you like to coin. Um, and that's what we're looking for at home, isn't it? it? It's the ultimate cinematic experience. Yes, indeed. I mean, if you go into Rob's uh, demo room like we did today, it's nice to see that someone actually pays a bit of attention to uh, what the room's like, because that is a big part of the, the playback environment. And uh, his room is all, all, all blacked out with uh, with materials and uh, acoustic treatments and... Uh, so when you, what you see on the screen isn't affected by loud, uh, light bouncing back from uh, the walls or ceiling back onto the screen. So your, your black level reproduction is, is much, much better. You get more detail in the shadows. Uh, and that was, that was obvious today. And it's obviously nice to come down and see, see the big toys, the big expensive toys. But there is a reason as to why they're on the market, isn't there, Rob? Um, and that is to, to push the technology out there, to get out there, to be a bit different. But at the end of the day, to, to create what is... I imagine what Ranko are going for is as the ultimate cinematic experience at home. Yes, that 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 is um, that, that that's the market Ranko are in. They that you know they started the whole home home theatre um, in in the states. They actually have the name patented. In that you can't use home theatre in the states without the Ranko logo next to it. Um, so they started the whole ball rolling years ago, and they have. Um, hundreds of dealers throughout the states who um where it's a much bigger business than it is over here and a lot of people in the states are on their second third fourth home theater uh, we do have some clients in this country that are the same but um if when that that is the case and you've moved home or you're rebuilding a cinema and you're you're looking for something that's better than the last projector you had or the last audio system you had then um that's the sort of client that Runco deals deals for. Um, that a, they're they're looking to really push the boundaries as to making the best picture. The the other thing is that they they have a huge range of models. They have eighty different models, and it can be a bit confusing. But the 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 idea is that that they have a model that's designed for to give the optimum results in any room at any screen size, depending on what format you want to use, and. Um, the, a, a lot of the the projection systems, the home theatres we're involved with, with go into very large rooms on very large screens, and the, a projector with a 250 watt lamp in it 
is not going to give you the sufficient brightness on that screen. It's it's a very obvious thing that, that um, if you go into your local dealer and they've got a projector and you turn the plasma on in the room, you'll always look at the plasma because it looks that much brighter in the room. And um, it's, that's not to say a, a projector needs to be that bright, but, but you do need a certain level of brightness on a screen to get a realistic picture. And what will look good in a dark showroom on a seven-foot screen is not going to work in a room with more light bouncing around on a larger screen. So that's part of the reason why Runco makes so many different models and why the biggest model they make has a 7,000-watt lamp in it rather than, say, a 250-watt lamp, which is about the biggest you'll find in most projectors. Now, the home projection market really has taken off in the last year. We've got the likes of um, Sony and JVC, etc., coming along to the party. What makes the Runco so so different from, from the others that have joined the party this year? I, I honestly think there's there's lots of good projectors appearing on the market. I can't knock what Sony or JVC or, or any of these other companies do. Runco are trying to make the best quality projector, um, regardless of price. The the um, there's obviously a very limited market for the number of people that will spend fifty, a hundred, two hundred and fifty thousand pounds on a projector, and there really isn't. I'm sure Sony could make a projector that was as good as a Runco if they wanted to, but they wouldn't be interested in making a product that they could only sell 50 of, 100 of a year. So in the same way that some really high-quality audio manufacturers can warrant producing a £10,000 CD because they'll sell enough through their dealer base, Runco is able to put the research and development costs into some very high-end projectors that are clearly better than cheaper projectors and if you had the money um, you know I do not think anyone could argue with the fact that that projector outside is markedly better than anything that any of these other manufacturers make it might not be something you can afford or you could warrant but it's built from the ground up for the, for the optimum performance which is why it's four times the size and five times the price of any other projector on the market it's got better, better lenses it's got better lamps it's got better scaling technology and it creates a better picture. It should do. It's bloody expensive. So let's just say that the, the average forum member isn't your lottery winner, isn't your premiership footballer and so on. They don't have that kind of budget. But if they came, came to see you and said, Rob, look, what do I need to do to, to have the ultimate home theatre on, on my kind of budget? What kind of advice would be you be giving them? Um, I think that talking about any product is the wrong way to go. I think anyone that is suggesting that you need... This projector, this screen, this amp, this speaker doesn't know what they're doing. So if your, your dealer is competent, or hopefully I'm competent, it, what, what we should be doing is looking at what your room is like. And from your room, we would then give you recommendations as to what will work for you. So um, if you have a great big through lounge and you're going to sit 20 feet away from your speakers, for instance... Um, Putting domestic hi-fi speakers in there won't work because they simply won't play pl- loud enough to throw the sound 20 feet. They're design- most speakers are designed to be used from, say, 10, 12 feet away. So from the word go, you can see that you would need a different type of speaker to, to w- what is sold in most hi-fi shops. Um, if you're going to sit rear to, close to your rear speakers, um, then one of the most common mistakes uh, is people use the same sort of rear speaker as their front speakers and the front speaker is there to localise the sound and pinpoint things and the rear speakers are there to diffuse the sound and wrap sound around you in the room so 
that would be another thing to look at, depending on where, how close you're sat to the rear speakers. That would determine what sort of speakers that you're having. Um, if you have a larger room, and I'm talking about volume here, so as you go to a room that's, say, twice as long and half again as wide and higher ceiling, you might have four or five times the volume of a smaller room, then you need a lot more power in the room, and in which case you'd need to get five times the output from the subwoofer. So if you had a system that works nicely in a study and you're putting it in a living room that's five times as large you'd need five times as much output in the base department. And it's exactly the same on the projection side. If you are sitting 20 feet back, then you might want to look at a 10-foot wide screen. And if you have a 10-foot wide screen, then the average projector simply is not going to be bright enough to give you proper saturation levels in there. Um, it's, it's easy for manufacturers to say this projector will do any screen size from 4 foot to 20 feet, but it's not true at all. Try putting a, some of these projectors on the market on a, uh, on a very large screen, particularly if the, the lighting in the room can't be controlled, and the picture will just look washed out and sludgy. So it, it's most of the, the product choices that we would make for a system and not about this is a good projector or this is a good DVD or this is a good speaker. It would be about the fact that in your room you need a product that does such and such. And um, that is the correct way to design an audio system and a video system. And if you're going to a competent dealer, that's the sort of conversation they should be having with you. The first thing they should talk about before they, before they mention any product is your room. How big is it? how acoustically live it is, how much light there is, how much you can control that, how far you're sat from the front speakers, the rear speakers, construction of it ideally as well. And from that, you can start making your recommendations depending on, on, on the information you've gathered and, of course, the, the, the client's budget. So that's, um, again, the, the room is the limiting factor in, in most audio and video systems. And if, you, if your dealer isn't looking at it from that point of view, then you really need to address whether you're using that dealer or not. So what's uh, your plans for the future for Gecko? You've been around uh, the home cinema game quite a, quite a long time now. Which way do you see things going in the next few years for yourselves? I, I think, really, for high-end home theatres, um, people are after the best picture and the best sound. Um, the industry, people are becoming more aware that it is about designing the correct thing for the room and you need someone that is competent with design so someone that just sells boxes is not going to be the way to go it, it, it's similar to if you want a, a really nice kitchen or a really nice bathroom there's not one best bathroom or kitchen you put something in that's appropriate for the style of the house and you design it to fit that space and increasingly people are looking at that and they're looking at what is what would be the most appropriate thing for my room. Um, as a company, that's the expertise we try and bring to, to the party, if you like. We're here to support the dealers who um, buy products from us. And because I've done nothing but design and install cinemas for 15 years, I, I believe I have a lot more experience at, at that than anyone else in the UK. And when when our dealers have a client that wants a really high-quality cinema, we encourage them to uh, to bring the client here so we can demonstrate things like the room equalisation, widescreen, power handling, that, that type of thing. But basic concepts that if they're, if they're demonstrated correctly, anyone will understand. It's not some snake, snake oil. 
Um, and, and once we've demonstrated the sort of thing that, that we can achieve and the client has, has, a, has finally seen a very good picture and heard a very good sound, then again we get a pen and a bit of paper out and we, we start looking at how their room is going to be designed and we design something from there. So, so that, that, that's kind of how we work now. The idea is that we're uh, a free consultancy really for, for people that want to get the best home cinema system and um, people can come down, have a look at the systems that we have here. Um, it might be an upgrade on an existing system or it might be someone about to buy a complete new home cinema but hopefully we can show them a level of equipment here that they just won't see in the local dealer. Most most dealers can't afford to have a seventy or £80,000 projector knocking about. Um, we can and we like to show that off to people. Not that we're expecting everyone to run, run off and buy one but it, it, it illustrates what can be achieved and from that we can explain to the client what would be the best product for their application depending on the criteria of the room and their budget, etc. So uh, I, I guess we're a free consultancy for people, for, people, for those that want to come down and uh, look at the best you can get. And just moving back to Gary very quickly. Gary, what have you learnt today um, that you maybe didn't know before you came down and, and what's really stuck in your mind from today's visit? Well, apart from the, uh, <clears throat> the impressive-looking uh, runcos we saw today, uh, the acoustic equalisation that we heard... We quite often hear about uh, things that can be done to a room and uh, treating the room and doing various other measurements to get things right. But to have this this box that more or less does all that for you and uh, to be able to do an A-B test to hear the before and the after, if I can notice it as distinctly as it, as it was not being an audiophile, then I think uh, anybody should be able to notice the difference. It was quite amazing, really. And that's, uh, that's certainly something, and again, we're getting back to the ethos of... Um of the room being the most important part of the whole system, isn't it? So, if you've got the room, why why spend all the money on 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 doing that if you've got a box of tricks that'll do it for you? Yeah, I, I think at this stage, this is um, they are the, these companies have, have cutting edge technology, and there might not be something that everyone is going to buy now. But the reason I wanted you guys to come and have a listen to it yourself and to make your own mind up is to to be convinced of the difference it really does make. Um, if we sell big, expensive cinemas, that's what we're set up to do. But equally, if someone has got a much smaller budget, we just want to show them what's available and some things to look for. Um, the Order CEQ unit, the standalone unit, uh, there's a much simplified version of that built into. Denon amplifiers, Marantz amplifiers and Onkyo amplifiers and when that is engaged when, when you set it up properly um, in the vast majority of rooms that makes a really significant difference and my bugbear if you like is people enthusiasts in the industry that will go out and spend a lot of money on a product that really isn't going to make much difference and there's some obvious products out there on the market that I, that I think do that and if with a new technology like this, I I just want as, to get as many people in front of it because when you hear the negative effects that the room has on your system, everything else becomes secondary to that. If you turn the turn it around the other way, if you if you look at your CD player, your amplifier, your speakers, you look at how much distortion all of, all of those components create. They might create five percent distortion from the original signal your room will create 50% distortion. So that's 
how we look at it, that the room will create far more problems with your system than all the other products put together. I'm not for a moment saying you shouldn't buy good speakers or amplifiers or whatever, but buying good product without making sure the room is designed to get good, good uh, acoustics is really is a waste of money. And um, I would say that one of the most obvious examples of that is just walking around a hi-fi show. You walk up and down the corridor and there's some very good equipment in there sounding pretty crappy. And it's because the, the, the big stereo speakers give very inconsistent results. And um, although people might be buying some very good speakers, nine out of 10 times those great big floor standing speakers won't give good results unless they're in a big room and they're, they're stood well away from the walls. And, and it's once you, your ear gets tuned to it and you get used to listening to a higher a high quality of system, the, 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 the shortcomings of the room on the audio system become very, very clear. And it just looks like people are wasting money on something that will actually sound worse in their room than a smaller pair of speakers. Well, the, the Odyssey really caught my imagination today. And it's, it's something which I want to try and experiment with for our listeners on their behalf and for their benefit and also for my own curiosity i really could notice the difference today when we when we switch backwards and forwards uh, with the unit but the thing is uh, i had no starting point on which which to, to base an opinion however my room is i know where the problems are i know what the problems are in the room i know things are so hopefully we can arrange for one of those units to wing its way up there We'll put it up in my room and we'll maybe come back and continue this conversation uh, once we have the results of that and maybe you can talk us through how we managed to get those results. I'd love to do that. um, I'm absolutely convinced that when you put it in your system, it will change, it will improve the sound radically. Um, What you've listened to today, the room with the stereo in was quite a good room. Uh, it's solid walls, it's a solid floor, there's, um, there's beams across the ceiling so it diffuses the, se- the standing waves, uh, the, the flutter echoes there. So most stereos in that room would have sounded pretty good actually. The cinema room has pretty lousy acoustics and when, you, when we were playing just stereo you heard the, the dramatic difference it made on the imaging and the tonal balance of the system and the arrival time on the bass, all the frequencies being in phase uh, and at the same volume level when they arrive really makes a dramatic difference. And then when you go to home cinema, the dialogue was so much more natural. Again, the, all, the, all the frequencies in the room arrived at the same time at the, at the seating position. And you also heard the soundstage collapse and, and it almost sounded like a stereo on, on, on some clips when the EQ wasn't engaged for all the, system, all the channels. So, um, yeah, I'd love to get one of those on your system and for you to live with it for a while and for you to, first of all, um, you'll be sent a a certificate that you can put on on the forums and you can show the before and after response of each speaker in your system. And um, I'm no scientist, but I understand a graph. And when you see the before and after frequency response and, and power response of a speaker in your room and you see how distorted your system is before you EQ it and how much flatter and even it is when it's EQ'd, um, they're visible results that you can see online, you're going to be able to see online. And then you independently, when you're not in my kitchen, can say what you really think about it and you can tell people. So, no, I'm really looking forward to you having it at home, you playing with it. 
and then when you're not here eating my pizzas think really saying what you think about it and uh, let people know whether you think a room equalization is important or not okay then so we'll have to set up a second date to come back and continue this conversation at another time Rob, thank you very much for your hospitality today. Um, thank you, Gary, for popping down and hopefully you got something positive out of the day. Oh, certainly, yeah. It's very good to see uh, a manufacturer that's actually making an effort to go uh, the widescreen route with uh, anamorphic projection. Uh, I believe Runco are the only manufacturers that currently supply a projector with uh, a lens fixed to the to the front as as a, a package you can buy. Uh, other manufacturers are doing it as a an add-on, an additional cost. But this, you can just, just go out and buy the whole thing uh, in a box. And I think that's a, a good start, and hopefully other manufacturers will uh, follow suit and do the same thing. It's excellent to see you, Gary, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up again very soon in the future. And like I say, Rob, thank you very much. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for coming down. Thanks, Gary. Made by enthusiasts. For enthusiasts. Wow, a free movie. Thanks. This is the AV Podcast. And that wraps up the hardware edition of the AV Podcast. This is Jason Bradbury saying thanks for listening, stay subscribed, and tell your friends. The AV Podcast was presented by Jason Bradbury and Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.